thinking about positive karma. And we were talking last time about the different results that come from positive actions, maturation results, felt similar to the cause in terms of our um, experiences and our behavior, and also the environmental results. And we finished basically talking about the results similar to the cause in terms of our instinctive behavior, but it's really helpful here to point out that um, like if somebody has trained well in the path and has, you know, really done a lot of meditation and really put some energy into developing the positive attitudes and qualities, then the next lifetime that manifests karmically as those thoughts and feelings and inclinations are there with no great effort. So when you hear about them recognizing the incarnations of very high masters, even if these high masters are not, um, you know, full Buddhas or even high-level Bodhisattvas, the fact that those characteristics, um, those tendencies to, to have really special mental qualities are there from such a young age, this is a result of this kind of karma. Okay, the result that's similar to the cause in terms of your instinctual behavior. And so this works with us too, you know, if we really develop um, a lot of patterned way of thinking now so that the Dharma is more spontaneous in our mind, that carries over to next life and then it doesn't become so difficult or so problematic to generate the understanding. And so one of the reasons sometimes this lifetime we get stuck and it seems so hard to understand the Dharma, or even we understand it and we can't feel it in our heart, it's because of the lack of this kind of karma. Okay, the lack of this habitual thing. And just to tell you one story with um, the incarnation of one of my teachers, I really saw this re- the result here, you know, um, in terms of instinctual behavior. And this is this little one. You see by the picture of Milarepa, he's pretending to be Milarepa. Um, that, that's my, my root teacher, his present rebirth, his previous rebirth was my root teacher. And uh, I met him, his present, you know, his previous lifetime, he was quite old, really incredible master, second room, second room, which is his name. And then um, I met him again, he was five years old a few years ago in Dharamsala and we went on some picnics with him uh, and it was just incredible to watch the way he acted because um, there would be a whole group of people there and you know how most kids they'll just kind of find the one adult they feel the most comfortable with and just latch on to that one and basically you know stay near mom or stay near dad and in his case it would probably be stay near Nalang who was his attendant but Rinpoche would get with this group of people and he would pay attention to everybody. It was remarkable. Even, you know, some of the people who he knew well in the group, some of the people he didn't know well, he would have this sensitivity to know that like everybody in the group needs some attention. Yeah? And, I mean, to me this was just, I really picked up on it because this is something special. Yeah? And then when we sat down to eat, you know, most kids at five years old eating is like, you know, it's like food here and food there, and they're crying and shrieking and jumping around the table, and <laughs> you know. And Rinpoche just kind of sat there, and he led us in the offering prayer. 
Yeah, he knew the offering prayer. He led us all in the chanting. And then he sat and he ate, just like an adult. Just incredible to watch. And, you know, these were real small things, but they made an impression on my mind because I thought, this is a re- the kind of result of mental cultivation from previous lives. And then one time, he completely blew our minds because we had taken on the picnic, um, you know, just a, a bottle of water. And so we were sitting around there, and all of a sudden, he takes the water and he starts holding it up like they hold the boombas up during initiation. And he starts pretending to chant and then pouring us each water just like they do in initiation. You know, he'd never seen that. Oh, it's like, where did he get this? But again, you know, that kind of instinctual behavior of acting like a master. Even he's five years old, he's playing as a child. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that example with him. But the same kind of thing happens with us. So if we cultivate a lot this lifetime, then, you know, definitely the practice comes easier next lifetime. And then uh, the positive karmas also affect our, the environment that we're born into. Yeah, so not only what body we take, what, what mind, the maturation result, not only what happens to us in that life in terms of our experiences and our instinctual behavior, but the place we're born into, the whole environment that surrounds us, um, is influenced by our previous actions. So in the case of abandoning killing, we're born into a place uh, that's peaceful, with good food that's nourishing, and where the medicine works. Yeah. <laughs> so you can see, by abandoning killing, then you're born in an environment where it becomes easy to live a long time. There aren't so many epidemics, you know, the medicine works, you can get health care and things like that. Um, for stealing, then you get born into an environment where there, uh, for abandoning stealing, sorry, um, you get uh, born into a very prosperous place. Okay, so again, from not taking others' possessions, um, deliberately abandoning that through seeing its disadvantages, then we, um, our mind is attracted to rebirth in a place that has enough uh, material wherewithal. So you can see somehow, you know, here we are living in Seattle. Yeah, um, a very prosperous place. And even though everybody here moans and groans about the economy, try going to a third world country. You know, then you realize that you know you moan and groan here, but actually it's really quite prosperous compared to the way a lot of people live. And then um, from abandoning our wife's sexual behavior, um, we're born in very clean and beautiful surroundings, and also a place that's very safe, so no no danger of um, sexual abuse or rape, take, rape taking place in the place where we're born. Uh, if we abandon lying, then we're born into a place with honest people. Yeah, so you don't have to go around giving bribes to this person and that person and everybody doesn't give you the run around lying right, left, and center, but a place where it's easy to be done, you know, get things done and people are honest and treat each other fairly. Um, if we abandon uh, uh, divisive work, then we're born in a place uh, where the land is even, you know, not these incredible dangerous cliffs and bumpy things, but the land is really even. You can see, you know, associate 
um, abandoning divisive speech, then the you know our speech becomes even. We treat people equally. We don't try and break up their relationships. So it manifests in the environment an even place. Yeah, a place again that's safe and that's comfortable. And then abandoning harsh words. We're born in a place where there's um, enough water and where <laughs> the the land is very fertile and there's no dangerous animals. Okay, so nothing harmful outside because again our speech is abandoned harming others. If we abandon um, idle talk, then we're definitely born in a place where there's enough water. Um, you know, because you can see idle talk, everything's wasted, you know. So you abandon that, you're born in a place where things aren't wasted, where there's enough stuff. Um, and where your plants endure, you know, in other words, kind of the growing season is long, they actually bear fruit when they're supposed to. Um, a place where, where the parks and the forests and the natural things aren't overcrowded and aren't polluted. And so you can see the relationship here. This is idle talk, you know. When we idle talk, we pollute the environment. We overcrowd everything with all of our gibberish. So by abandoning that, you know, it shows up karmically in the environment, the place being, you know, really quite pleasant to live in, not polluted and overcrowded. This is really helpful to think of in terms of our environment. And when you travel to different places, think of the karma of the people who were born in that place, or the kind of people who live in that place repeatedly. Um, you know, it's very interesting to think about this. Especially when you go to places where the, the environment's very uncomfortable and people don't seem to be able to get out of it. Yeah. Or places uh, where people are, where it's very comfortable and even though people try and leave, again, their good karma keeps them stuck in a good place. <laughs> interesting. Um, if we abandon uh, uh, coveting, then we're born in a place where the property and our belongings endure. In other words, things last a long time. You get a car and it lasts a long time. You get something and it lasts a long time. Not places where you buy something and, you know, second time you use it, it falls apart and it breaks. Okay, but again, it lasts a long time. And also a place where there's enough things for everybody, where there's not um, a real problem with having enough material resources. So you can see, you can see from abandoning coveting, you know, coveting, we're always wanting for ourselves. So this kind of wanting creates an imbalance, creates shortages. Yeah, so by abandoning that, then birth in a place where there aren't shortages, where there's enough for everybody who lives in the environment. By abandoning maliciousness, then we're born in a place, uh, again, where it's peaceful, where it's harmonious, where people get along, um, where the food tastes good, where there's not very much illness. Okay. So, a place, you know, that's safe, no danger. And then by abandoning wrong views, we're born in a place where there's a lot that's very rich in natural resources. Is this, this one I think is so interesting because you can see when there are wrong views, it's like the mind's completely unfertile. You know, there's wrong views. The mind is just hard like a rock. It can't listen to anything. It can't think about anything because it's so stuck in its own stubborn misconceptions. It won't let anything else in. 
Now, so you can see how that mental state would create, you know, a corresponding environment. Then you can also see that by having correct conceptions, abandoning, you know, the wrong conceptions, one's born in a place where there are natural resources. There's water, the land is rich, the mines work, the crops um, grow. Um, the, it isn't polluted. And uh, a place where the people value ethics. And so the people that you live among are people who are ethical people, people you can trust, people you can rely on, where there's a real sense of community and belonging and people taking care of each other. So those are the, the kind of environments that come about by doing the, the ten constructive actions, which are, you know, consciously making a determination to abandon the ten destructive ones. Okay, so by understanding this, this gives us a little bit more energy to abandon the destructive actions and do the constructive ones. And it also gives us a better understanding of the situation we're living in and the world we see around us because we begin to understand how our karma relates to our environment how things are really, really interrelated. And um, we aren't born places just by accident, you know? And when you were a kid, did you ever wonder why you were born you in the place you were born in? Yeah. And I did, I, you know. Why wasn't I born in Mexico? Why wasn't I born somewhere else? Why wasn't I born, you know, Southern, living, growing up in Southern California? So, um you know, it's our karma. It's a result of the kinds of things we did in, uh, before that makes the mind interested, makes the mind attracted towards rebirth in certain places. So you're saying if somebody's born in a really horrible environment, is it like either that or no rebirth at all? No, no rebirth at all would be really nice. Yeah, <laughs> that would be nirvana, you know, that, that would be a really nice thing. Um, so it's, it's more like one will get a rebirth as long as one's under the influence of ignorance. And then if it happens to be a negative karma ripening, the mind will be attracted to that kind of place. Yeah, And so you can see that whether you're born as a human being or whether you're born as an animal. Yeah, I mean, there's a big difference, for example, in the environment um, and the living situation of a dog born in India and a dog born in a nice, cushy Seattle home. Yeah, huge difference in the lifestyle. Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is due to karma. And so similarly, when they talk about, um, like, life forms of incredible suffering, where the whole environment is just, like, so unendurable, that's the, that environment, the environmental result of the experience there is this one, okay? Result of our karma, the environment.